when you're unlearning, it's not like this beautiful process either. Like of like, oh my God, I'm entering this magical dimension of like love. It's like, no, it's actually this dimension of accountability. Welcome neighbors to Hometown Earth, the podcast that brings a down to earth approach to all of your sustainability questions. I'm your host, Lena Sanford, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here, we believe that everyone can change the world. Do you believe? I'm a Midwest gal with big dreams to discover what it takes to reduce my impact on this beautiful place we call Hometown Earth. Join me every Tuesday as we navigate what actions we can take, big or small, to make a positive impact in your life and the lives of your neighbors on Hometown Earth. Hello, neighbors. Today, you're going to meet Isaias Hernandez, an environmental educator and creator of Queer Brown Vegan, where he creates introductory forms of environmentalism through colorful graphics, illustrations, and videos. For example, you can find a video where Isaias talks about ways to regrow vegetables in your own home next to a graphic explaining what biocultural conservation is. In both cases, he breaks down these topics into easily consumable content that will help you build a foundation of knowledge and won't leave you feeling overwhelmed. Whether it's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or his own site, he seeks to provide a safe space for like-minded environmentalists to advance the discourse around the climate crisis. I found him on Instagram, and now it is a staple for me to check out his content every day. And I'm sure you're going to start following along after this episode as well. Open your mind as we chat about Isaiah's journey to the empowerment education space, how we can all unlearn together, and advice on how we can step off of social media and start to take action. So let's dive right in. All right. Well, Isaiah, thank you so much for joining us here on Hometown Earth. I think this is the absolute perfect space for you to be in because you make these topics about the environment and sustainability and environmental justice so accessible and relatable to people. And that's what this podcast is about is to try to break it down, bring it down to earth um, so that anyone can understand these topics no matter where they're at in their journey. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you ended up in the environmental education space. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me. So hi, everyone. My name is Isaiah Hernandez. And I think for me, what made me become an environmental educator is that at a young age, I grew up in Los Angeles, California, also known as Land. And for me, um, I realized that at a young age, like, I had been living nearby toxic facilities, like heavy freeway intersections, and also the idea of living in um, affordable housing, plus living off of food stamps. And so I realized like, you know, all of these parts of my livelihood were part of my survival and trying to understand like why these injustices were in my environment. And so at a young age, you're kind of instilled of this survival mindset saying like, okay, this is this is how much you have because you didn't work hard in life. And so I kind of accepted it at a very young age. When I got older, I started to ask questions like, okay, like what, what, what is global warming when it was first presented? And I remember we went to a field trip for conservation in a beach town area. And I remember my teacher saying that we were going to a quote unquote nice community. Wow. And so I was like confused at what she meant by like, what, what's a nice community? 
And so generally when we went there, of course, like it was not as diverse, you know, compared to living in where I was. And so I remember we were picking up trash to learn about conservation and plastic pollution. And I just stopped and I was like, why do we have to pick up their trash? Like no one comes to our communities and pick up our trash. Like I don't get the point of being in this beach. And I, I got in trouble for asking that question because my teacher heard me. <laughs> and so I remember then like, that I had to stay curious to understand more. And so when I experienced a lot of wildfires in, in Los Angeles and the increase in 2000s, I remember the closest one that actually didn't get that near my apartment, but was seen afar, you can see it from the skyline window, is the 2008 Sayre fire. And I remember in middle school, like ashes were falling from the ground and we were just, we were not given any masks we were just told to continue resuming our day as if it was normal. And I was like, why is this happening? And so, yeah, that kind of made me solidify all these questions. Like I want to study the environment. And so in high school, I learned about environmental justice because an organization in my community came saying like, oh, you know, like, you know, low-income communities of color that are predominantly black and Latino, like are more susceptible to living to injustices here in Los Angeles and one being in the San Fernando Valley area where we live. And I was like, wait, like what? Like I understood like the concept of like the systems being corrupt, but I just never understood like how they were corrupt. And so I guess that's that really at that point, like at, you know, 2013, I didn't really have that much research out there. So I applied to UC Berkeley and got my degree in environmental science. Um, but in that university program, I learned that how elitist education can be mm. and how gatekeeping education is yeah. and the way that a lot of things are framed in the Western environmentalism realm is seen as superior and the erasure of indigenous knowledge and your own cultural based experiences is apparent. So upon graduating, I was like, I don't want to really privatize this information. Like, why do you have to pay thousands of dollars? to an institution and be taught this by white male professors that do not even come from your backgrounds trying to teach this to you, that's someone that experiences. So it really made me a bit um, exhausted in the academic system saying like, I'm not gonna go to academia to try to put myself through this trauma. Like I'm gonna just put it digitally out there and make my life. And that's how kind of Career Brown Vegan came to um, appearance. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, that explains my question of why you want that to be accessible. Cause yeah, that it is a very, um, hard thing to see people gatekeeping this information and you're so willingly giving it out. Cause I think with social media, it's really great. Cause anyone really, that's almost their, their solace, their go-to to try mm. to find, um, something, a connection and for you to have that space for them, is really great. Um, I know that you say it's kind of for like-minded environmentalists. Give us your definition of what an environmentalist is, and let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think I say like-minded environmentalists because not everyone always agrees on the work I put out there, mainly when it comes to like race, class, and gender. But I think wholeheartedly there are people who disagree with my work but still follow me because of other reasons. Yeah. But I think that's a way for me to encourage them to shift themselves to become more critical environmentalists. But when it comes to like what makes you an environmentalist, I don't think it's based upon your degree or like how much you know. It's more based upon your like lived experiences because like we've all have different intrinsic relationships with the land. 
And for me, you know, I grew up in a toxic environment, but at the same time, I still loved my environment. Like I liked my community. I liked where I grew up. Like it wasn't the best of the best always, but it was something that gave me life. And so I think um, when it comes to like determining yourself as environmentalist, I think that we really need to like disrupt this notion of like, you have to have an education degree or you like you need to be an expert, but rather you're just someone that's like, I care about people and the planet and the animals and that's what I want to fight for and so once you get people on board with that general idea you can really push themselves to kind of extend themselves to learn more about critical topics like environmental justice like environmental racism like yes it can be a lot for some people to understand like what do you mean the environment's racist but it's like let's actually take the time to unpack that together and learn about each other because I think this is why we have so many differences in the environmental movement. Yeah. Well, so you kind of touched on some like those are hard definitions for a lot of people to like understand. Um, and your page really just breaks it down. Here's a definition of this. Here's a definition of this. And it's super simple, super easy for someone to like start building a foundation of knowledge on. So when you're creating that content, do you have kind of like a process in mind where you're like, okay, I'm going to look at it from these different viewpoints to try to make it a more holistic definition? Kind of how do you do that? And if people are wanting to explore these topics on their own, do you have any tips for them to try to essentially connect the dots? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think for me, one of the things I like to do is you know, when I do research, I try to look at different articles, right? Of course, I'm like, I'm a scientist too. Like I did research <laughs> in undergrad. So I really make sure like what I'm reporting out there does have some obviously truth to it and data behind it. But I, but what I think is like, what I like to do is really challenge people to understand like, you know, for example, like conservation, like the way that I was taught in Western world here in university it almost seems as if Western scientists have to put themselves in these ecosystems to protect or to fight because the animals are dying. But a lot of the times that's missing is the concept of like biocultural conservation, which is essentially how do communities in those areas protect those ecosystems? And when you learn more about those communities, they've always been protecting the environment. So the reason why the populations are declining is to the massive development of GDP growth that's happening there or either oil refineries entering in those industries or uh, the deforestation because many of these communities are really at the forefront of these movements. And so I think that's really an example for me to present people is that it's not that we're wrong. It's just the idea that we've been approaching this is very dominating and very um, looked down upon other groups that may not have scientific degrees. And so we really break down indigenous knowledge as like citizen science. It's super important that we give them both equal level playing fields in this movement. So that is something that I feel like um, when I create content, I try to make it more holistic in the view of like, it's an intersectional lens, not just a singular lens of like, this is the equation to solve the you know ecosystem collapse, <laughs> when in reality, there is no such equation for that. Yeah, I wish there was, but <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, those are, again, it's pretty 
tough topics for people who may have never been exposed to some of these things and hopefully that they're, you know, willingness to learn, but it can be a lot. So how do you want people to feel when they come to your space, when they leave your digital space um, and how to want to keep them coming back for more essentially? Yeah, I, I ask them questions. Like I really encourage them to ask critically and like ask questions that may be not really well and aware for their needs or like they didn't get exposed to it. What I do not tolerate is hate comments and like there's a difference between critique and hate. I think hate is just generally like you're just commenting something very offensive that's not even related to the topic. But I think critique is very important because I think critique allows people to challenge themselves and to be challenged. And so I think for me, my space is mainly for people just willing to like grow with me because the idea is like, I'm not going to present myself as like, stay happy and positive 24 seven, love the environment. Here are some like easy swaps to do to like change your lifestyle, which I really love to do too. But I really want to be sure that like, I don't want other, you know, primarily to like students of color that came from my neighborhoods to not feel disadvantaged when it comes to talking about these topics. Because when I was in academia, I felt less than, I always felt like I just shouldn't speak. I shouldn't talk more because yeah. all the white students learn this in the conservation field. They have much more research than me. And so in doing that, I devalued my work. But in reality, I should have just valued myself as a being. So it's more of a self-empowerment tool, I would say, rather than like, uh, educational hub resource, but okay. I think that helps people really understand like what they may want to do in their environmental work. And like, it's not always about education too. Like some of them are like into policy and economics and like, that's really great too. But yeah, you know, I, I'm not an expert in that, but I really encourage people to be critical in learning all of these. So they have a more holistic lens when approaching things and understand like how these issues are like multidimensional, not singular. One thing that we've kind of talked about is unlearning and how I think that a lot of people feel that learning is the only way that you can grow. And, you know, you want to grow together in your digital space with people. So they might look at that unlearning term and think, well, isn't that counterintuitive to learning and growing? So let's kind of chat a little bit about that. What is unlearning from your perspective? And kind of, is that true? Let's debunk it if you can only grow from learning. Yeah, so I think with unlearning, um, that's something that I really learned a lot in college because I think that unlearning requires you to be ready to be wrong and to be right. And when you're ready to be wrong, that means that you're ready to be challenged in your theory. You're ready to be understood as wrong. And so I think that really helps people become better learners because if you're only learning what you want to learn when you're right, you're really doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah. And so challenging yourself to be uncomfortable, challenging yourself to say, I really don't know this theory. Yeah. I don't know anything. Like, I don't know a lot of things still myself. Same. <laughs> yeah. Same. Yeah. It's like, I, I really don't know that much. And so I tell people, like, when you're unlearning, it's not like this beautiful process either, like of like, oh my God, I'm entering this magical dimension of like love. It's like, no, it's actually this dimension of accountability. Meaning yeah. that like, why have you actively ignored these issues? Why haven't you done anything? Slash why aren't you actively talking about this issue now? Yeah. And so I really told myself like, 
all these times, like, you know, like working on being anti-racist is an active thing. Like there's no like such thing for me of saying like, I'm not racist, right? Like I actively uphold racist structures. Therefore I uphold this racist system. And so for me, I'm really wanting to make sure that, you know, I'm actively working to be anti-racist. And I think learning is really beautiful, but I think unlearning really helps people to captivate themselves to think critically. Like, you know, like when people say, well, why do they live in toxic communities? Well, it's like, well, let's look back in history because redlining was never taught to us. And when we learn about redlining, we'll find out that many white communities never wanted people of color. So they pushed them away and they worked with the city government. They worked with the banks. So in reality, it wasn't about us forcing ourselves in these environments. It's just the fact that, you know, a lot of white individuals in history did never like people of color. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, to me, when you unlearn that, especially um, I have a lot of white friends that have to unlearn that they just feel guilty. But in part of that, it's, you know, no one has ever died learning about racism and slavery. Like that is, right. that is the truth. And I think that when people choose not to reckon with that or say, oh, well, something in the past, it never happens. It's still happening today in different forms. And so I think unlearning is super, super important for people. And I think that's, this is the second stage of my life where I realized like I have had to unlearn so much and I'm still doing it every day. And I think relearning is the new stage that people should go after unlearning because learning is just, you're just seeing what is being taught, but relearning is saying like, after I've unlearned what I've learned in the first stage, how am I going to implement this in my relearning structure so I can continue understanding the subject, but through a more critical lens. Right. And I think, you know, like I'm a white woman, so it's like, I'm looking at things from one perspective, from my history, my lived experience. And so I think that's almost the first step is realizing what what lens you're looking at things from. Mm-hmm. And then you can start building in those other perspectives. And whenever, even when you're relearning, that doesn't mean you're finished. Like it's a constant process of looking yeah. at it through those different lenses as you continue your learn, you know, your living experience and trying to learn more. But the the point is, always trying to realize what perspective am I looking at this from? And then you can go from there. Cause I feel like that kind of opens things up. Definitely. No. And I feel like it gives that person that not even solemn or peace within themselves, but when you start to relearn, you start to realize like how your relationships change with people. Right. And that is something that I've had that happen to me. And that's okay. Because like, it's life, but I think it's what you never want to be stagnant in life. Like I never want to be the same old person that's just like, oh, they're just stuck in their values, you know? Right. And so for me, I always want to be like really ready to learn new things because a lot of these conversations were never really in the mainstream. Like when I was in high school, we didn't learn about environmental justice. I never learned it. I I never, never learned about like environmental racism or injustices all i learned about is global warming and then it was shifted to like climate change but that was it when i was available as i high school and four years later like it's changed so much and so yeah it's super important that we recognize like you know our own privileges of like how we learned this information like what's been out there so um whenever your people are unlearning essentially i feel like it's kind of important also you know you're you start off looking through this lens, 
But then I feel like it's also important to explain why it's so necessary, which is a tough thing because, you know, you, I, I shouldn't expect anyone to explain things to me, but sometimes we have to like talk, you know, you have to have those conversations and why is this necessary and why is this important for you that I'm looking through this lens and then kind of providing those resources. It's, it's a tough balance. So it's really great that you're open and willing to provide these resources, um, even though you kind of shouldn't have to, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think people should do um, essentially for themselves to start unlearning? Ask themselves these critical questions, but only to themselves. Like the most easiest way to talk to yourself saying like, how are you being anti-racist? Like it's sometimes uncomfortable for me when someone asks me that. So I ask myself, well, how am I working to be anti-racist? And when you're talking to yourself, hear out your responses because the you know you're more likely to be comfortable to respond to yourself, or you're not you're not being judged by anyone. True. And when you take it to that community level, it's not about saying like what you're doing, but rather the actions you do reflect that work that you're doing. So it's less focused of like, well, I'm scared what people are going to think about me. Like, I don't know if I deserve to be here. The more and more you self doubt the more that the more I'll show in your work. And so in reality, just do what you can, but also acknowledging the fact like, you know, sometimes it's not enough, but that's okay. I think that when I was younger, being told like, whatever the work that you do, it's not going to be enough. It really hurt me. But then it's, I realized like, maybe it's not enough, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to put myself entirely down for doing some type of work that I know I can do. Yeah. So I think it's more about, really position yourself in this like growth mindset rather than this like degrowth of like I can't do this and like I I am not I'm not able to really have these conversations well so do you feel like that you know there's ever some performative action where people come to your page and use your resources to learn and then like comment maybe share and then step off and don't do anything like is that work valid for them to even do that little bit or should it go further yeah no i really like this so i you know i it's really hard when people ask me like how do you measure success on your platform because i'm like well i don't measure on followers off likes on posts i really measure in myself the people that actually reach out to me to have these conversations and like to discuss more and like very thankful to be on this podcast but (laughs) It's typically what I've seen is just generally younger students that reach out to me asking me for advice, asking me for, you know, a lot of things that they've experienced in their departments or things that they're currently experiencing. And for me, it really means a lot when you're talking to an online stranger, almost like you're almost like, oh, God, like, I don't even know them. And like, how should I best uh, be able to support them? Yeah. And so I think that um, for me, in that sense, like when people take that action I really don't know if that like will go far in their work you know right sometimes I'm thinking you know maybe they'll have those conversations with their friends or maybe they'll have that conversation with their family I really don't know but it's very weird how the work I put out ends up coming back to me in the sense of like um you know getting random emails or messages from people saying like your work has inspired me I've always followed you since last year and because of this like I you know talk about your work every day and these are kind of the small things I feel like that do matter. And so if I'm able to really at least change just one person's mind about it, like I'm more than happy and satisfied with that because my mission is not to like influence thousands or like get them on board, but 
to take those people and like shift them over to more conscious uh, critical thinking. Whenever people are coming, though, in my opinion, I feel like as humans, it takes multiple times for us to see and hear this knowledge before we any knowledge before we kind of internalize it. Mm -hmm. So for you to consistently post every day, they might be liking and commenting for a little while, and then really start to to get it and have it sink in. And then that might take them to the next step. So kind of from your perspective, how do you suggest people step off of the platform with the information that they consume? And whether it be this social media, this podcast, and start to take action? Yeah, that's such a good question. I would tell them to first try to understand the concept. Like, are they able to talk this definition out with a friend? Because if so, that means that like, maybe you have good memory skills, or either (laughs) B, you actually know, like the understanding of it. And so yeah, I really highlight my work as introductory because I've not really in depth with the work I do always. And I, I've admitted that and that's because I'm in that work right now. And so I really feel like it's a lot of work for me to learn that and try to translate it. Right. But what I will do is really have these conversations with people to encourage them to learn more. And like you said, it may make sense now, but in the future, when you're learning about these issues, it's going to intersect in your mind. You're going to be like, oh, my God, I remember learning this on Instagram. Or like, oh, I saw this somewhere. Yeah. And that then increases your, your ability to be invested in that issue or be more confident in engaging in that subject. So I think for me, um, having those conversations with friends and family is super important. But it's really up to you of how you decide to use that, because at the end of the day, like, um, digital media is so con- sometimes time consuming and very rooted in overconsumption. There's like so much out there. So it's sometimes they're just like, well, I don't want to have all this digital waste on here. So how do I, you know, learn about it in somewhere else? So taking that to your community is super important. Yeah, absolutely. So your three main topics are kind of environmental justice, zero waste, and veganism. And I would say environmental justice is like the pillar of your work because it intersects everything. Um, So besides like following along with you on social media, probably what's one step in that environmental justice space that they could do to kind of advance that that rhetoric? Yeah, I really love that. I, I feel like environmental justice, like the most easiest way I always tell people is that like saying, no matter who you are, regardless of your race, your class, and your gender, everyone deserves healthy air, water, and soil. Yes. That is really the simplest form I tell people. And I think a lot of people would agree, right? Like yes. a lot of people who are like, <laughs> don't talk about race. It's like, fine, let's make this more justice oriented that you yeah. know, ignores this aspect, apparently. But then I'll push them to understand the race theory. So I think for me, that's really been a really core pillar of my work. And I tell people to take this within actually understanding the local organizations in their community, because a lot of people are saying like, oh, do I have to create an organization? Like, what do I do? What what can I do? And it's like, check with your community because your community, you know them more than I do. You live there more than I have. And so you're able to really interact with your community thoughtfully. And when you learn about the organizations in your community, you're like, you're more likely to support them because you're like, I want to learn more about environmental justice. And so Environmental justice organizations, which is very sad to see, is that they receive the least amount of funding available. 
um, compared to other environmental justice organizations. And so it's super important that we recognize that other organizations do, do receive massive funding. And so if we're going to be really advocating for healthy air, water, and soil that really team up with these communities and see how we can leverage our time, whether it be through social media, um, through writing, through activism, through educating. These are kind of the core fundamental things that we can do. And that translates to either K through 12 education. It translates to our communities, translates to our parents. And so fundamentally, environmental justice has really grown the last few years, which is really good. Like, I really feel happy that people are understanding it because I kid you not, three, four years ago when I talked about it in the classroom, people were so uncomfortable about the topic. They felt like it it was just like, wow, like, I can't believe, like, it's such an uncomfortable topic to talk about, like, racism and, like, how it's affected my community. And yet I'm here having to stay silent and um, make other people feel comfortable because it's an uncomfortable topic for them. So these are kind of the ways that I feel like people can get most invested in. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like people I think would be surprised um, whenever they start reaching out locally, because then you start to see this is in my neighborhood. Like Mm -hmm. there is, there is environmental racism going on everywhere. There's environmental Mm -hmm. justice that's, um, that, that every city kind of is need needs. Um, so working locally is really huge. So what I, I scroll back to, to when you started your account all the way 2019, (laughs) what is the biggest takeaway that you'd say that you've had since you started your account? I think the biggest takeaway I've had is to realize that, you know, online work is, takes a lot of emotional energy. Mm -hmm. And I always made sure to center myself as not really a leader or someone to be above, but just someone that's also wanting to learn with their community. And so I think that's what really helped other people learn is the fact that I told them like, you know, I may be wrong sometimes. I may be, you know, not always right. And that's okay. Like I need to learn too. And I'm not going to get offended over that. But I think the one thing I learned about social media for me is the way that it's connected me with other environmentalists that I would have never thought existed in this movement. Yeah. And so that's the beauty about social media. Like you get to collaborate, you get to meet so many, like just so many great people out there that you just would have not imagined to exist. And you're like, wow, I wish we can all go to the same school or something. Yeah. But that has been really my biggest takeaway is that collaboration really helps you because you learn more from that person. And you also learn more about yourself when you speak <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like people don't realize like taking that first step to show up, whether that's even just like sharing one of your posts, you would be surprised at like how many other people are going to message you. Oh my gosh, I think the same way or, you know, and then you can Mm -hmm. start to connect with people on social media, which is really great. And taking that first step to show up is better than not showing up at all. So that's what I love about social media is that that connection and being able to step outside a little bit of your comfort zone, like we were talking about, and then realizing how many more people you can connect with that you never had imagined. So exactly. Yeah. Well, so what are you working on now that you might want to share with us? Um, What are you curious about, um, whether that's in the space you're in now or otherwise? 
You know, so I think for me, like, curious about is really I want to just continue existing in this space. I really don't know what's to come. Like, that's always a mystery for me in my life. But yeah, one thing that I will share, like, two things I've been working on. One is I've been working on this, like, illustration book for, like, a year and a half. It's just been delayed because me and my illustrator, like, are, you know, we're humans. And so we have to live our lives. And so... Um, that is something I'm hoping to get released by like the summertime. Okay. Uh, I hope so. And then the other thing is I'm working on a zero waste veganism and environmental justice book because I recently got a literary agent. So I will begin the process to write a book very soon and excited for that. Well, I will absolutely be on the lookout for that. And I can start to share it as soon as you do, because I know if it's any close to as accessible and relatable and consumable is what you normally do. People are going to jump on it. So that's really exciting work. And I'm, I'm happy for you. That's great. Yeah, no, thank you. Is there any like final words that you kind of want to share specifically with this audience? You know, these listeners are introductory. They're trying to learn and trying to kind of expand like, just like you, I'm learning along with with everybody we're kind of all on the same hometown earth Mm -hmm. so um we're on this journey to try to figure out what what we can do together so do you have any final words for for this group yeah i would tell people to love themselves sustainably because i feel like i should have done that at a younger age i feel like it took a long time for me to find healthy practices to understand like the days i don't love myself i still love myself right like days i'm angry sad confused like frustrated i still love myself and so when you love yourself sustainably you can do work that is regenerative and it's actually long term rather than it being like a one-time thing and you burn out and you're like i can't do this anymore it's too traumatic for me yeah so take your breaks and take the time to understand like how you love yourself because that really helps you in the long term yeah Well, so I'll link everything in the show notes so that way people can connect with you. But do you mind giving kind of a quick shout out for the best ways people can connect with you as is? Yes, of course. Yeah, you can check out my website for any free educational resources. I do have an eco-learners book on there, free digital download at queerbrownvegan.com. And you can connect with me on any social at queerbrownvegan, whatever you like on TikTok or Twitter, Instagram. (laughs) I'm on all platforms, to be honest, which is pretty bad. But yeah, (laughs) it's all the audience. You're reaching everybody at that (laughs) level. So, well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I really do appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, Lena. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hometown Earth as much as I did. Let us know by rating and subscribing so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Tuesday. Head to the show notes linked in the episode description for more details and let us know in the comments what you want to hear next you can find us on itunes spotify google podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts believe.com and at believe podcasts and you can find more about the podcast on instagram at hometown earth or connect with me personally at lena sanford we all know change needs to happen so let's get started right here at hometown earth thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.